1985, Dire Straits released an album that went straight to the sale racks in all truck stops across the country, and everybody instantly knew the top three songs from that album. Of course, I'm talking about Brothers in Arms on today's Black Door Music Podument. I'm Barry. And I am Karsten. Karsten, how's it going today? I, you know, things are going pretty good. You know, good, talking to Barry, good. my friend Barry. Hey, Barry, how you doing? How are things going oh, for you? Pretty good, pretty good, pretty good. Seeing Carson through a video screen for the first time in a little bit. Hey, it's true. This is true, which is always an unfortunate opportunity. I don't think anyone really likes to see this face. I have a <laughs> face for podcasting. And just to clarify, podcasting can be video podcasting. I am not referring to that kind of podcasting. No, not, not video podcasting. Uh, nope, nope, nope. Wake up in the morning, my wife goes, wow, your face. Damn it. Why did I do this? And that's it. Well. If you can tell by how my hair looks, uh, I stayed up late last night playing video games, got up this morning when my wife came home from work, had breakfast, and then went back to sleep on the couch, and then I think my daughter was sitting on my head for an hour. So, mm. so When I woke up, she was punching me in the ribs. How come you don't let other people punch you in the ribs? It's only cool when your kids do it? It's still not cool then, but, you know, there's laws protecting their well-being. Jesus. Karsten, honestly, if you think if you sat on my head for an hour, do you think I'd be alive? No, I'm pretty sure you'd be uh yeah. you'd be haunting already. <laughs> anyway. Oh, I made a little joke starting this out. Uh Dire Straits, nineteen eighty five. Hold on a second. Album. I want to jump in here real quick. Oh. Because from the time that we started talking about this album, I told you there was something that I immediately felt about this. I know. <laughs> dire Straits as a whole is a band that I cannot imagine ever not being dad music. I realize that when they were really big, they were like a hip happening. Like they were around at the same time as like Huey Lewis, the news. Like those were things that were happening at the same time. And for me, it is impossible for my head to comprehend because of my age that it's right. not like, Dad wearing New Balances, listening to Dire Straits. While I am a dad, I've never owned a pair of New Balances because Yet. I've always thought they're ugly. Yet. No. Look, Yet. I'm wearing my Levi's and Chuck Taylors. Fuck you. Uh, Although, I'll be honest, I'm just kind of curious because everyone talks about that New Balances. It's just they're so comfortable. Are Hey Dudes the new generation of New Balances? What's Hey Dudes? Never mind. You're too old. So <laughs> anyone who's familiar with Hey Dudes, Hey Dudes are like the most incredible and comfortable. I wish I was sponsored by them. We're just going to pretend we're sponsored by them. Hey, I just want to go ahead and give a word from our sponsor. Hey Dude Shoes. If you haven't tried these, they are the most incredible shoes you can wear. Are they, they like super ugly? Not necessarily. They're actually pretty cool. But they are incredibly comfortable. They have an insole that molds to the shape of your foot, kind of like an orthotic, over the first few days that you wear them. So the first day you wear them, you may think, dang, these are the most comfortable shoes I've ever worn. And after a few days, they're better. So check uh, out Hey Dude Shoes. Okay. Well, let me just say this. I have a pair of Allbirds Tree Runners, and I love them. They feel like slippers. Uh, but they're much more robust, and I thought the foam soles would break up, but they're still. La I mean, they're they've been worn smooth, but they're they're fantastic. The problem is, they're they're a woven shoe, and so you know because I 
just wear them into the garage or into the woods. They've gotten a little couple snags, so I'm thinking of getting them replaced with some all bird uh, wool runners because now the runners have rubber soles to make them a little more robust. So I'm not all about old school, you know, tennis shoes all the time. I've, I've got some newer shoes, you jerk. I want to go ahead and thank our anti-sponsors for this show, Albert and Hey Dude. Thank you so much, our <laughs> anti-sponsors. Ah, uh, Alberts, they're so comfortable. I, I hey used dude, to wear them to more work. More comfortable. I used to wear them to work and go, I, I just don't feel like I'm at work. I feel like I'm wearing slippers, but more comfortable than slippers. That's essentially the way Hey Dudes feel all the time. So Now, are they know. made, are Hey Dudes made out of, uh, you know, a responsibly sourced uh, materials like recycled plastic and a vegan plant pair material. of hay dudes. They have a vegan option when you're purchasing them, and you can purchase vegan hay dudes. That's true. Yes. Just because they're vegan doesn't mean they're responsibly sourced. I mean, gasoline is vegan for God's sakes. No, it's not. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, gasoline isn't vegan. Damn it! I hate it when my argument backfires on me very quickly. Yeah. I was just thinking, I was like, yeah, coal's not vegan either. Hmm. Got to stop eating coal. Okay. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Santa. <laughs> Santa's definitely not vegan. That red so, suit is made out of seal skin. <laughs> so brothers and oh God, brothers and arms. And, and, and circling back, again, Dire Straits, it always seems to be playing. Like the people who I imagine listening to it, it's not that I'm opposed to it, but it is kind of like that. Sounds when like I was you're in high school, it. it was the older dads that were listening to it. The the younger dads were like not so much. And I'm not talking like teenage dads. I'm talking about like <laughs> like that 16 year old that's on, got a kid. Right, not that. I mean, maybe they were listening to Dire Straits. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> you know what? Look, you know when you're in the hospital, they go, "Here's your son, and here's your Dire Straits CD." <laughs> there you go. But like, because I, you're a dad and you have CD Straits. players, and I'll be honest. Um, I once dated a girl whose dad was like, he would talk about three bands, Rolling Stones, Dire Straits, and this isn't really a band, Mark Knopfler, oh, as a solo career. <laughs> oh, that's not true. He'd also talk about Pink Floyd. So those are like the four things. And that was it. And like, I'm kidding. I kid you not. In his, he had a CD player in the car because that was the thing. Uh-huh. All he had in the car, Pink Floyd, Dire Straits, Mark Knopfler solo, and Rolling Stones. And that was it. You know what? I I respect a person who knows what they like and they stick yeah. with it. Don't you, you know, wish you were kind of that person? Um, at times I have been. Um, because let me Jeff tell Goldblum, you, Jeff Goldblum, Jeff Goldblum, Jeff Goldblum. Nineteen ninety five. I was rolling around in a Cadillac Eldorado with a uh, a Iowa CD player plugged into the cassette player with. A Blues Brothers album on it, and that's the music we listened to in my car. My mother had a van that the day that we brought it home, we put in her favorite Barry Mantelow cassette tape, and the head unit jammed the cassette in there, and it never came out. So what we realized for the first year was you could have nothing, because the way that it was set up is it would prioritize the cassette if the cassette was in, so you couldn't listen to the radio. Oh, so yeah. your options were silence or Barry Manilow. And you you wouldn't be surprised how fast we were all comfortable with silence. But then what I realized is if you jammed like a screwdriver underneath the cassette, it would move up just enough that it would let you listen to the radio. So oh, there's literally yeah. like, 
yeah, this paints a picture of my childhood. But like a screwdriver stuck out of the dash, you're like, all right, we're listening to some nice other stuff. And then, you know, you pull it out and we got Manilow. You know, the consumer electronics of the past were really prone to, uh, you know, jimmying. And sometimes you get it to work. These days, it seems like if you do something like that, it's just not going to work anymore. Mm-hmm. Because all the wires are too tiny and they're not going to make connections. But back in the day, you could take a Craftsman straight blade screwdriver and stick it four inches into your car stereo and make it better. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. That's 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 why I, you know, am kind of handy because I'm willing to. And if you fail, you know, the worst thing is you're not listening to Barry Manilow. Honestly, in that case, that was a risk I was willing to take. <laughs> and I mean, I recognize, mind you, I was fairly young. Barry Manilow was the newer side of music that my family right. would listen to. That was like the rare exception. There was like Barry Manilow and like ABBA, and those were like the new music. Otherwise, it was all older music from there on back. And uh, and that was one that, in, in retrospect for me now, I'm like, why didn't you just replace the deck unit? Well, honestly, it wasn't even a thought in my head. Jamming screwdriver in head unit, that was a thought in my head. Now, again, I was probably in elementary school at the time, but that was that was just the way it was. Yeah. Well, you know, a lot of people are afraid of those wires and stuff, and because I remember every, once I got to college, every car I got, I would replace the radio because the old AC Delco radios and the GM products were garbage. And so even if you get the cheapest Sony at Best Buy for $99 or whatever it was, you're going to be able to listen to a CD and it's going to be better than what it was. So, But you had to buy those adapters. And so you had to read the books, connect the wires. And because the Sony doesn't necessarily match with the AC Delco wiring, your wires will not match colors. But So you have to read a color code for your car in the back of the book. And I was willing to sit there for a night while watching TV connecting wires to my adapter and other people were not in fact i got paid fifty dollars per adapter like three or four times to do it for friends because they didn't want to do it but they liked my stereo so i rewired i ran new wire throughout my 1970 plymouth valiant because the one speaker am (laughs) head unit that was in there which was the same size as the new unit that i put in that was the you know the cd player and such um it just didn't match. But, yeah, I had to run new cable for that throughout the whole car and then put my speakers in the back. Through the floor and or the ceiling? Uh, what was that? Floor. Yeah. Floor was way easier. I suppose that's just carpet. Yeah. So. And at that well, point, that was back in the day when you could actually open up a car door and actually wire things. Yeah. But, you you but can back still to do the, that with cars. We're going to slowly step back towards um, Brothers in Arms. So uh, we have. Yeah. All right. Uh. So I come from a different time than Carson because I was nine when this hit the airwaves and Money for Nothing is still that new song with the best guitar riff ever. And I was a few months in utero when yeah. this hit the airwaves. I remember listening to it on my, in my dad's uh, 1981 Caprice Classic station wagon uh, with quadraphonic sound and... Uh, he's like, whoa, what's this? And he cranked it to an uncomfortable level, which, by the way, is the proper level to listen to that song. And uh, Now, as we're getting into the songs, I have to go ahead and jump in. Money for Nothing, I think, is a very good song 
radio cut. I will be totally upfront about this, and I realize that I talk about this a lot of the podcast. I don't hate songs over three minutes. What I dislike is songs that don't seem to progress past three minutes. No. I'm not I'm not looking to shit on Stairway. I'm not looking to shit on Bohemian Rhapsody. I'm not there are plenty of songs that are longer than three minutes. I I wanna minutes. I wanna I wanna just put put this before you. Okay, go ahead. Somebody is at one of those really you know, like kind of low key karaoke nights and they hey say, Hey, you have money for nothing album cut? And the guy says, I do. And they're like, cue it up. <laughs> Dear God. That's like ninety percent you just standing there pretending to air guitar. That's literally what that karaoke <laughs> that's just, is. That's though. just Barry wanting more time to drink whiskey well. No, I kid you not though. <laughs> I almost want to do that because the first two minutes are just like drums. Not true. Not and true a little bit of guitar. I'm asked talking about both. The, first... like the guitars are kind of coming in. It's a little bit of like some some synthesized kind of sound. And yeah. then it's like drums every once in a while. And fucking sting. In the first two minutes? Yeah. Of him singing or just playing an instrument? He's... He's in the almost immediately coming in. I want my MTV. It's like not in the album edition. I'm pretty sure it's first 30 seconds. That first like two minutes of money for nothing is like just intro and slow intro. Yeah. Slow, slow, slow intro. So if you karaoke that, even if there is a slight, I want my MTV, just in the background. It's not something you're singing repeatedly. You're standing there for like two minutes, just like uh, go ahead and grab your Earl no. Grey tea or your whiskey or something, and just stand there and just yeah. Yep, I'll get stings. to it. It's essentially so he's tequila. making tantric love to his woman on stage. I want my MTV. Long anyway. intros, long jam sessions in the middle of you know every what? song. You that is what? what this album is in non-radio. Al- this album knows how to build a uh, a feel, and that I I am not a huge fan of electric instruments, but I absolutely love the way that electric keyboard. I'm not sure what the make is, I, but the way he's playing that as they come in to the guitar riff. And it's such a great break because it's very electronic and ethereal and sting. And it's like somebody turns the lights on in the room and you're hit with this all analog guitar coming out of a tube amp just fucking, you know, with with overdrive. And it's and it's awesome. It's a fuck. He's yawning. (laughs) Okay, no, I mean, here is the here is the big thing. Yes, if you're listening to the entire album front to back, which is the way that I listened to this album a couple times recently, it doesn't bother you. You don't notice it. It just seems like a smooth transition. But if you're like, hey, Alexa, hey, Siri, cue up Brothers in Arms, or cue up uh, Money for Nothing, album cut, you know, whatever, and it's just like, okay, here it is. Okay, I'm ready to sing along. Okay, let's get it going. Okay, fuck it. Turn on some Snoop Dogg. I'm done. Like, <laughs> well, I I'll admit that the the album version of the song is 
is too long. But I just yes. think that's because um, Mark Knopfler has a value proposition that, you know, he's come, it's from a working class home. And he's like, look, there's only nine songs on this album. They all have to be as long as we can. Uh, but, uh, but uh, Brothers for Nothing, where it's too long, is the last three minutes. Just for anyone who's keeping track of this song, this song is eight minutes and 26 seconds long. Yeah. So as I'm sitting here bitching about the first two minutes, that's excluding the next six and a half minutes of music. So two minutes he doesn't like intro, the first honestly, two minutes. If you recut this, I don't like this, the last three. So the first, the middle three, or the middle two minutes. It's solid. It's Fantastic. it's a solid. It's a solid three minute middle. <laughs> well, I don't know how much of the intro they play on their radio cut, but I, I would I say that the, they do. The they do they okay. do too. Like. 15, 20 seconds, I think is what it's because you hear for, for the radio one. Yeah. And I would say the radio cut is about right. The radio cut is what should have made the album because they don't they don't get into new topics. They don't expand a thought. It's a jam session and there's nothing wrong with jam sessions, but um, they don't do anything. They don't do anything real great. It's not like they go, okay, and now the bass player is going to have a solo, and now Mark Knopfler is going to have a solo. It's just the same riff over again, and that's fine if it's in the background and you're going to have a solo, but they don't do that. See, and I would say I don't mind the intro on the album where you talk about the radio cut should be it. I actually think that it's just if this were produced in the 2000s, they would have made that a separate track. Sure. The intro would have been a separate track with it transitioning at a later point where it kind of starts in at some of the later part of the intro. But that that's just the difference of production then versus now. And no, I, I, think I, that I understand a, that. But I think this intro, if you have the patience for it, is one of the best intros of any song in modern history. I mean, it's it's just fantastic. I disagree, but that's okay. I think it's yeah. fun. Okay, uh, just to clarify, you do get I Want My MTV at second 13. There you go. And then it's repeated. Uh-huh. And then it just kind of doesn't, it's fine. It doesn't really, it's not moving to me. It, it, it just is a thing that again, intro track, or if it was a, if it was a trans- transition track, fine. But it, again, as you talk about in the song, that it's repeated, it doesn't really move along for the back 30 seconds. That is the first, the first 20 seconds sets up the intro. Then we have 40 seconds of not a lot of progress. And then they start doing more. And then they kind of hold there for 20, 30 seconds. And then they, and so it's really, it's like you could make a real quick cut of that. And it would actually progress along real quick. And I feel like in this point, it's really the, and I, and I realize I make it sound like my time, my money, et cetera, et cetera. But mm-hmm. really, as you're listening to it, that first, the first minute and a half of the song really has about mm, 30 seconds of compelling stuff. And then it's just repeating itself. Which is your argument for the back half of the song, which I love. <coughs> we're doing an album review, and we have now made it twenty-one minutes. Twenty-one minutes, and we have covered the 
intro of one song. Which is not even the first song in the album. No, it's not. The first, which I actually think the first song actually is a really good setup song. Oh, like, yeah, it is. Not all albums have a really good song that sets up the album well. I feel this one actually sets it up really good. I feel like, okay, I'm going to leave Money for Nothing alone for a second. On this album, there are at least a few songs that most people know. Whether or not you actually could know them by name, if you heard the melody or some of the lyrics, you're going to recognize at least a few of these. You may not be familiar with Dire Straits. You may not know who Mark Knopfler is, but you would know what these songs are because they're present in the world. Right. They are cultural, I'll say cultural landmarks of music. That The thing is, you don't think about this as like, oh, this is an 80s song. No, no, no. Honestly, there's really depending on your 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 musical demographic, this wouldn't pop out as like, oh, this is like one of the top three songs of the 1980s. But it is a song that feels much more. And, and when I talk about it being more of like the dad music, it seems much less time driven where it doesn't feel like this is a pocket of the 80s it kind of feels like something that kind of transcends that 70s folky influence into the 80s into the 90s and that's kind of what makes this one more like i can't well i think go ahead so let's just let's just put them out there so the first track is so far away which is Mm -hmm. like so far away from me and he's talking about he's singing about being in a long-term uh a long distance relationship then you got money for nothing uh, which we've obviously uh, covered. Well, not completely because we haven't even covered the lyrics, which are interesting. And then a the lot walk of words that would not be appropriate on the radio. But it's interesting because they're included, not because he wants people to use those words, but his point in including them. The by the way, the the inclusion of the word uh, faggot. So this faggot's got his own jet airplane. This faggot is a millionaire. Those were quotes of a guy working in a uh, appliance store. He came in. He was looking. I don't know. I forget what appliance he was shopping for, but he heard these guys, and he, the the most of the lyrics are almost direct quotes. He had adjusted them a little bit for the song, but almost direct quotes from these guys working in the appliance store. And he, uh, Mark Knopfler, who was, I think he was a. A journalist uh, major in college he kind of was like this is like this is the voice of the people and people should know that this attitude is out there and it just so happened he put like one of the best uh you know guitar hooks ever on in the song otherwise you might not even know those words but because of that and begin to circle back people know the guitar riff i don't think many people know the words that are listening People at the time, yes. Now, if you're listening to it, you're like, did I just hear him say that word that we don't say? And honestly, if you watch the YouTube version, uh, it is not in there. Like the YouTube mm. video. Because my kids love this song. And, and um, yeah, they're bored during the intro. But I go, just wait for it. Um, just keep waiting. Just keep waiting. Just keep waiting. Just keep waiting. Nothing Dad, good comes it's without been waiting. Two minutes. Can we get to the damn song? Just keep nope. waiting. Oh, no, there it is. We're already no, we're already at daycare. <laughs> <laughs> Essentially, but I'll hear it on my way to work. <laughs> Dad, we um, love this song. You're not allowed to listen to it unless you can embrace the intro, <laughs> you little bastards. 
Yeah. Don't worry. I'll have to listen to the back 30 seconds or the back three minutes too. I'll pay for it on my side. <laughs> no. And yeah. I think that there's, there's some humor in it as well, that it's the, these, these people who are, they have so much money. They're so like, et cetera. Oh, yeah. I'm going to go ahead and write all your words down and, uh, you know, become a millionaire off of it. Suck it. Appliance guy. Right. Well, there, there is that, <laughs> but yeah, no. Um, and, and obviously, it was a different time where uh, people would throw the term fag around when they actually weren't talking about gay people, but just as a as a derogatory term for somebody they didn't like as well. So there is that. I'm not I'm not suggesting that you should go. We should bring back the common use of faggot, even if you're talking about yeah, a cigarette. Yeah, I was just really comfortable not saying that word, and you've gotten real comfortable with it. Now, I understand there's a difference between saying it in the context here um, and such, I think for me, I was really encouraging people to go and read the lyrics themselves because okay. it's eight minutes of, I don't know, maybe a hundred words total. Yeah. And there's, there's three of them in there. So now I, I no. know that in terms of talking about this, you'd made a comment about the fact that you, you are more comfortable saying those things because as society, we need to be comfortable saying some things to progress along. And I, I completely, I agree with that. Uh, really overall though, Go read the lyrics. If you, if you, there, it really is in summary. It's talking about rich people doing rich people things and the people who are doing a lot of the work not having, yep. you know, stuff. Is that a good yeah, summary? It's using, a, it's using the word as a derogatory term towards people they didn't like and don't think they've earned what they have. Yeah. Which is, so. yeah. Oh, exactly. Exactly. And again, as Barry has as, as, as stated earlier, it's a little bit of a zeitgeist at that time. There was it was it's different then than it is now. We're not endorsing it, but it's kind of the way it was. Right. I think South Park covered it. They had an episode where all these old guys were riding really loud motorcycles, and mm-hmm. the boys are always like, "Look at these guys!" Yeah, and they use the same word. There we go. And, okay, and they're so like, "Oh my god!" Made it to track two <laughs> out of nine tracks, and we're at. Well, this is much longer than I think either of us anticipated this episode being, but I'm not you stopping. Know, we haven't talked in so long, so I know. You know, you as the audience get get the benefit of the lack of You get of... the Karsten Berry experience. Oh. Boom, yeah. podument. Um no, and and I will say like overall, this is this is an album that I think it's a good to listen to. It, it and I won't say it kills time, but I think there is a factor where it does actually cover some time where it's just good to have on in the background. For me, yep. It, this is not the kind of album I would throw on back all. I'm going to listen to each track to hear each instrument and hear how it all. It's not that for me. It's definitely one of those that's like, you're going to work in the shop, turn it on, crank it up. Yeah, you're going to clean I out guess, your garage. It's that kind of thing. I guess I'm different because like the next song we're going to talk about, Walk of Life, is one of those songs where I just love listening because it, it starts out I with I did a, say album. Okay. I'm Are you going saying... to make the argument for the whole album? No. Okay. All right. Cool. Walk of Life. Carry on. <laughs> the walk. Of... <laughs> the walk of life uh, starts out and carries throughout the song one of my favorite instruments, a Hammond organ. So, um, uh, and uh, it's just got that. And here's the problem with this, and I know Karsten loves when I bring up the music videos because he's like, that's not the music, it's the music video. 
And well, I mean, it's different when I bring up music videos because then I can't throw it in your face, and right. you tend to do that for me when I bring up music videos. So we'll yeah. just call we'll call a truce here, and then sure. we'll carry on. Okay. So <laughs> if you haven't seen the Walk of Life music video, there's a bunch of sports clips, and I believe it's like people failing at sports, like like doof plays and stuff like that, especially baseball. So in my mind, I've connected it with like the ballpark. So having that organ in there, really having that organ in there in addition to the music video makes me think about baseball. So, but the song is not about baseball. It's about street musicians. And, uh, and I think I will go ahead and add that in the UK release of the music video, it doesn't have sports clips. It has street musicians who are dressed the same as Mark Knopfler. And in the end, they are carried away by police. But I understand that we only will acknowledge the American version of the music video. Please carry on, sir. <laughs> Thank you. We for have to get the baseball, which, as we know, is wildly popular outside of the U.S. <laughs> yeah. What's our international market? That's what I want to know. <laughs> well, I mean, but that's actually a thing about this. Like they, they recut no. it because it was more popular. <clears throat> no, so, that's a good point, though, because. That that's the thing. It does the the music video doesn't make any sense. The music video in America is here's this pretty cool song as a backdrop for these sports bloopers. Whereas the song is talking about a guy trying to uh, become a musician by busking, and and then so the music. I I actually now want to go watch the UK v- video because uh, it, I mean, you know. People starting out in music, a lot of times they're playing clubs. They just want to, they just want to play and get paid, you know, and there's all these little regulations, you know, certain cities, you have to have a a cabaret license, certain city, you know, if you want to busk, you got to go get a permit from the police if you know. And so all you'd want to do is play your guitar in the corner and sing and, and see if people like it and the cops are going to come and give you shit. Now I understand, you know, maybe someone's trying to sleep or they got a small kid or something, but at the, at the end of the day, you know, you're just trying to share your art and, and people and the police are giving you shit. So, uh, you know, it, that's the kind of, you know, I think there's that, I think that's the point of the song. And, and it's like these people out busking, they have real skills and real, uh, music to share. And, they're doing it for nearly free. You're enjoying it. And, and then right after you walk by and then he's like, huh, that guy's pretty good. The cops are going to come by and say, Hey, take it somewhere else, bud. So. Right. Um, real quick. I'm going to back up one song. Just if we're going to talk about the music video, uh, money for nothing. I'm pretty sure that was one of the, um, it was one of the earlier music videos to use CG. In music well, videos. First of, first of all, Karsten, this is yep. not a music video podcast. I realize. See, I actually just said a second ago <laughs> that we were going to call a truce, so we weren't going to pull that card on each other. You're right. And I, you I, talk, I just, but I mean, just... I get it. I get it. That's my that's my bad for that's my bad for bringing no, it up. You, I apologize. You're right. I think that music video was one of the first ones. And if which anybody's... what's interesting is again talking about how computer graphics has changed. You look at it now, and I'm. I imagine that it looks like something you would create on like a tablet, like an iPad or like one of the the galaxy tabs or something like that. Mm -hmm. But at the time, fairly cutting edge, I believe it was directed by the same guy who did the aha take on me video. 
that now, I was gonna I was gonna bring up the aha take on me and this is those... stuff I've I've read last week and now I'm trying to question it so I'm gonna go ahead yeah. and say that that's that's probably accurate. <laughs> well, since we both think it's accurate, we're gonna call it fact. Fully endorsed by Black Door Music Argument. If we're incorrect, go ahead and submit it to our uh, corrections department at uh, go fuck yourself. At Black Dot anything. No, no, just guess a web address. Go fuck <laughs> yeah. yourself, pick a web address, and let us know if if that's uh, better for you. <laughs> um, honestly, though, I mean, if you think about it, that was a great video. And one of the reasons why that video was made is because Mark Knopfler did not like being involved in music videos, doing anything but playing like he was at a live show. So anytime you see a clip of Mark Knopfler in a music video, he's just on stage with a guitar and, Mm -hmm. you know, he's not going to be doing a music set. He's not going to, you know, he doesn't, he didn't want to do that. And I think that could be one of the reasons why they came, they come off as such a dad band but two years later guns and roses come out with their album and videos and their bad boys even though you know they were touring the same stadiums at the same time yep it's just again i'm not trying to spend all of our time talking about money for nothing it is probably the one that most people would be most familiar with out of the on the album yeah um but i think it's one of those when you talk about mark knopfler who had who is the 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 front man he had a very strong solo career as well. Um, he's one that he had a very interesting live performance as well, which when you talk about he didn't want to be involved in music videos, he wanted to be more of the live performances. YouTube him sometime, watch stuff. He was there to play music, and everything else was just more of an inconvenience. It's kind of the way that it's been described by people who have seen him in videos that I've seen. He was mm-hmm. there to crank out music, rock his face off with dad rock, yeah. and that was that. Uh, yeah, well, I was trying to figure out. I I know he's considered one of the great guitar rock rock guitar players. So, I mean, I don't know what number, but just just know that like he is in the pantheon of 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 great instrumentalists as well as a songwriter and singer. So if you put those together, because like a lot of really great guitar players don't actually write a lot of songs they're they're known for you know they spend their time doodling on their guitar and coming up Mm -hmm. with great guitar riffs and he kind of does both and i think that's one of the things that you know if you want to be known as someone who does something and like be this you know great shining star you kind of have to do one or the other i mean Mm -hmm. so the fact that he's had so much success writing and performing at that level you know it, he spreads his talent out, and I think that's why he's... I mean, in in music circles, he's definitely known. But oh, I bet a lot of people don't know who Mark Knopfler is unless you describe it. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I think that there is a also just one thing to note, since we're still back on Money for Nothing for just one second, um, that I Want My MTV, sung by uh-huh. Sting... You probably recognize, if you know the tune, sounds an awful darn close like Don't Stand So Close to Me by the police. And I'm not going to go ahead and say that it was like, hey, we need this thing. Can you just come in? Yeah, I got this. And I would love to hear a cut where someone just covered it where they just do, don't stand so close to me. Well, <laughs> Instead. I mean, he's actually got a writing. Sting has a writing he credit. He has a writing credit. Song. Yep. Um, 
he was actually listening to that intro um, while they were recording, and he was he was working in the same studio, and came by and was hanging out with Dire Straits, and he was listening like to. And he's, what's that? Like you do. Yep. And and he was like, "You just need something else there. Can I try something?" And they're like, "Yeah, yeah, go ahead." And he laid down some vocals, and they kept it, and they gave him credit for it. So I mean, yeah, yeah. there's no like. There was no ripping off. They were hanging out. No, and... no, no. And I didn't mean to make it sound like, oh, it's a ripoff. It's the same guy. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. It's the same dude who popped into the studio, sang the same melody. Basically, on a what we're song. saying is, Sting in 1984, when they were recording that, didn't know any other music. He exactly. only had those notes in his head. Come at us, Sting. What you got? <laughs> All he had was "Don't Stand So Close to Me." He was just singing that over and over and over. <laughs> I, I would In fact, love to if hear, when when he I went to say, when I he went to a to... when he went to a restaurant, he'd say, "I'll have the iced tea." <laughs> well, I was gonna say, I would love to have. I would love to hear the story of like, "Oh, you need something here." Oh, let's see. Don't stand so. It doesn't really make sense with this song. Do you have anything else? Do you have anything else that kind of ends in that same type of rhyme scheme? Uh, MTV. I think that'll work. Let me try it here. <laughs> Don't touch my MTV. No, still doesn't stand closer. Can we get a little bit? <laughs> okay. So now the now that we've got that out of our systems, so we have track listing. So far away. Money for nothing. Walk of life. Now on to your latest trick. Yeah, just just that's that's a garage song. And to me, I will say, in terms of the way the album flows. Starts off with this three that really stand out as tracks individually. Then you hit this like 30, 40 minute section that's their individual songs, but they have a similar kind of feel that progresses the album along. Nothing really jumps out to me as like that. That's really great. And then you wrap it up. And it's not that they aren't good songs, but being totally blunt, they're nothing. When you talk about the popular songs on an album, Sometimes you're like, oh, you're missing the really good track. The yeah. really good track is hidden deep in track eight or nine. Right. Like, so if I if I was engineering this, uh, I might start away start off with "So Far Away," mm-hmm. and then we're gonna put "Walk of Life" at five, and "Money for Nothing." You're not getting till number eight. Right. Where you actually like listen through it, but I feel like there are albums that like for this one, you're like, all right, track one, two, three. Yeah. I'll if skip to nine. <laughs> yeah. Most people listening, if you want to like put up this album, even if you're going to listen to the eight minute, 26 version of a uh, 26 second version of money for nothing, you're going to listen to track one, two, and three. And let me tell now, you, mind you that that's a bit of music. There because is. That's, that's like 19 minutes of music and still going further. Money for nothing is not the longest track on the album. No. The longest track comes in at track five, Why Worry? And mm-hmm. that has a whopping five seconds on Money for Nothing, taking it into eight minutes and 31 seconds. Yeah. So again, nine tracks, 55 minutes long for this album. And so, yeah, Why Worry, Right Across the River, The Man's Too Strong, One World. These are all songs that even in multiple re- listenings to... The the one thing that really hit me was Money for Nothing to me is like a 1982 Corvette. Even though it's a 1982 Corvette, 
if it's in good condition, you still go, wow. Even though you know it's not the fastest car in the world, but it's just beautiful, and it will always be a shining example of style, at least on the outside. Uh, the other songs on this album, the, the, the four through eight, they're really marked for their time. They really have that mid-80s electronic feel. They're See, trying to be a, ethereal. Ahead, they're being ethereal, but in a very... It's a it's a time capsule right out of 1985. Now I will say, not the one that gets stuck in your head, but one that I actually probably enjoy the most for like listening to the whole song. That's just kind of like that fun little beat. Um, the one that steps outside of the whole album, as you've described it, is track seven, "The Man's Too Strong," and that's the one that sounds like it has much more of a feel of like. it doesn't sound nearly as eighties. Yeah. Like if you haven't listened to it and if you're not going to listen to it, think of it more like the music from like a, um, what is it? Oh brother, where art thou? It's that kind of a tune with an, yeah, with, yeah. A, with an eighties pop beat. Yeah. And so it, it really does jump out again. I'm not saying like, Oh, that's the song you're missing on the album. It's, it's, it's good. It like, I, I enjoy it. I feel it's an interesting break in the album. Um, the other thing is those, these songs, I I really feel like you hear not in like an accent, but you hear his Scottish storytelling, Mm -hmm. you know, cause, uh, he's a Scottish guy and they just, you know, the folk songs that you hear in Scotland that, you know, they're still all around and, uh, you know, they tell stories and they have a way of, of of talking and they also have a way of 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 existing in the world where you know it's kind of like a I'm poor you're poor but we're all doing all right let's pull together and be uh, good people together kind of feel you know it's mm-hmm. that it's that northern north of the island uh you know sustenance farming uh history that I think you really feel uh in those that that those songs I'll be totally honest. I don't have a whole lot of experience with the Scottish heritage on the farm, but I understand what you're saying. It feels much more down to earth than for say money for nothing where it really references back to not necessarily, even though the content may be there, it really kind of gets back to what you would imagine the roots would be. But I think that really what I want to spend more time on is the song Brother in Arms. To me, I feel like of this of this episode, we're pretty much going to talk about Money for Nothing and Brother in Arms is my assumption before right. we started recording. So so Brother in Arms is this... Do, do I, should, I, should I say it's seven minutes long? It, well, no. It's six minutes and 59 seconds. God damn it. I am so sorry, Barry. I am so sorry. <laughs> I added a whole second onto that. Gosh. Okay, so Brothers in Arms is this song that it has a lot of... There there was this... was it a, There was like a month and a half long, two month long... I don't know if it was a war battle. It was a war. War. Sorry, I apologize. Um, no, that's fine. I was just... It, it was a legal, legally a war, I believe. Okay, and, and it took place over... Do you know more of the history of this? Because I, I feel like I can pull it up here. I think it was like Argentina and UK because UK has territories all over the world and right. they were fighting over an island? Yes. Um, okay. 
it, the, they were fighting over the Falklands Islands. So right. you might, if you've been watching the the Crown, they covered part of that there. So basically, the Falklands Islands were this little spits of land, not a lot out there, but they're pretty close to Argentina, South America. And Argentina said, why does Britain have that? They really don't do anything there. And that's our island. And I, I, I don't know how many people, let's say somewhere between 200 and 5,000 people live there. So not a lot of people, but um, uh, Margaret Thatcher said, those are our islands. We're keeping them. And, but they weren't, you know, this is not like an, uh, you know, a great big conglomeration of nations. This is Britain and Argentina. Argentina had already like made motions towards us. So they already have like troops on the ground and, and supply ships. England in the, uh, sorry, the United Kingdom had to kind of scramble for something. So even though you think, oh, Argentina versus UK, well, UK, duh. But because, you know, you can't just get all these people and things you need to fight a war in five hours across the world. Exactly, because you know that the UK or you know it, it, and you know Argentina, I think, right next to each other. Yeah, and also at the time, the UK's economy was kind of depressed, which is why there was a lot of criticism of Margaret Thatcher to spend all this money to keep this island that they um, may or may not really get any economic value out of. And Margaret Thatcher saw it more of a well you know, you can't just take it. If we allow somebody to take this territory, what's them stopping from taking Canada? Whatever. Uh, I realize okay. it's not the same thing or, or maybe Australia. You, you know what I'm saying? So anyway, they got all these, um, uh, military personnel and shipped them off and fought a battle. And, uh, I think it kind of hit, um, Mark Knopfler about the, like, we're not fighting over anything. You know, it's like no one is. So I, I believe this was actually something his father actually said during okay. that time was his father actually said something along the lines of um, we shouldn't be fighting our brother in arms. And that's really what the song was written about was it was written about the whole thing. But he uses his father's reference like these are brothers in arms. If you're talking about that as being the UK, as part of the mm -hmm. UK, the UK is putting resources in to fight in some a lot of cases themselves argentina's there but the people who are there they're brother in arms so it's just kind of an interesting right take on it and that's really what the, what the song was written about sorry carry on no that's a i, I mean i i was just just describing the, the the background of the conflict but um the the song took off and even though I don't think Mark Knopfler really has any military experience or anything like that. Um, the, yeah, you're the, I'm just reading. There's a, yeah, his dad has described it as fighting the Russians and Argentinians as brothers, as brothers in arms, meaning they had similar ideologues, ideologies, and the phrase ended up being used in the album, but it really got, uh, pretty popular with uh, the veterans and uh, is actually played quite often at uh, military funerals for 
for people who had served in in the Falklands conflict, and uh, because a lot of the uh, the people the people who fought obviously just because you make it back alive doesn't mean you're un unharmed either physically or mentally by the conflict. And you know when you're when you're fighting people, oh, you know it's like and the only the only point is to capture a rock that you don't care about. And they're over there fighting a rock they don't care, or fighting for a rock they don't care about. And it's, you know, there's there's nothing that's going to change for your family back home or their family back home. But here you are throwing lead at back at each other. It it just kind of talks about the futility of of the 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 individuals caught in that in that action. And uh, if you listen to the song, it you know it, it really just kind of touches a touches a string on 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 the futility of, of war. So. And I think back to what you, what you said here a minute ago, if you're not familiar with the song and you listen to it, it, it's one of those, like, as soon as you hear, if you're watching different movies, different TV shows, it pops up a lot. It's used in a lot of movies and a lot of TV shows. Again, when they're talking about, this exact that that exact topic of the you know what is war what is the what is the actual cost of war in many cases when you start mm-hmm. looking through those so so i think that honestly again going back to talking about the whole album as a whole it really starts out about it in the early part it's these people who have money the working and it ends on this super somber note where it really right. does it really does kind of button the whole album and I think that's just something like as you're talking about it emotionally brings the album to a close with brother in arms. And there again, I think there's kind of a, I mean it, the album ends with this kind of war protest song Mm -hmm. where so much of the album doesn't seem like that. And Mm it, it seems like there's kind of a theme, uh, you know, irregularity in this album where it doesn't quite follow. And maybe I don't pick out the theme properly. I mean, I guess there is, you know, money for nothing. We have kind of that, the, the poor people um, criticizing the, the rich people for just getting money for nothing um, or what they see nothing. And, but, you know, the first song is, uh, is a long love song about being away from your, you know, your, your girlfriend, boyfriend, uh, you know, long-term relate or long distance relationship and then you have Walk of Life, which is, you know, I don't know. I just, the whole album is called Brothers in Arms. And I, it, it it's almost like some of the songs don't belong in the album. But there again, I think the whole album is kind of, and, and I don't know if they engineered it the way that put those three, pop, three popular songs way up front. Although who knows what, what's going to be popular when you're recording an album. And then finish it off with Brothers in Arms. And uh, you kind of separate those. But it's kind of like a disconnect where if you listen to the first three songs and then skip to Brothers in Arms, you're like, whoa, that's a that's a phase shift. Well, I don't know much else to say about this album. 
Well, I mean, seeing as we went in for approximately a 15, 20 minute conversation and here we are over an hour later, I feel like. Yeah, but you're going to cut about 30 minutes of that, so. I doubt it. (laughs) That's all gold. That's solid gold, my friend. Yeah. Uh, No, I I feel like we have, we've definitely, I I will say again, going back to it, this was kind of a, again, I, I think for me for this album, I had heard it before, but I hadn't ever listened to it before. Mm-hmm. And I feel like after listening to this one, it's good. I think that really it's going to be a matter of it's a time and place that I'd throw it on. Right. Um, and, and again, you're working on stuff. You have things. Throw it on in the background. It's perfect. Like yeah. that's, that's a great way to do things. Um, but yeah, I, I, it's a good album. You should definitely check it out. If nothing else, listen to those four tracks that we spent a long time talking about. Right. And uh, it's definitely worth it. Or listen to the tracks we didn't spend much time talking about, and then email us about how wrong we were to not comment more on them. Go fuck yourself at pick any you know domain you want. That's cool. There you go. Tell us about <laughs> it. Um, I don't know if there's anything else you want to add in closing. No, I've been Barry. I've been Karsten. Thank you for spending your time with us. If you like this episode, we are so sorry. But this has been the Black Door Music Argument, where opinions are always welcome. But are probably wrong. Including mine. We provide the best research Wikipedia offers. So tell all of your friends and your mistress. Or your manstress. Or your other token female friends. But not your grandma. Unless your grandma's fucking cool. Make sure to rate and review us on iTunes. Look for us on Instagram. We're not on Instagram. Follow us on Twitter. We don't tweet. Like us on Facebook. Okay, Boomer. Talk about us on MySpace. Or Friendster. Stop trying to out MySpace me. And always remember to clear your browser history. But most of all. Especially important. Super crucial. The ultimate. Baby, Baby it's cold, cold outside. outside.